the real roadmap to peace. Interesting topic as we're traveling to Israel. And as you know, our, our nation has kind of developed this phrase, the roadmap to peace, and it, and it is that when we talk about the Middle East peace process. And so about 20 years ago, we began this process of trying to bring peace to the Middle East. Uh, can I tell you it hasn't worked? I can also tell you why. Because real peace only comes from the Prince of Peace. It doesn't come from political wrangling. It doesn't come from uh, trying to make a, a, a cessation of hostility. It doesn't come from allegiances and alliances of government. It comes from the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, imparting his peace to the heart of mankind. That's how real peace comes. One day that will be the case here on this earth. But the Lord in this passage, writing through the Apostle Paul, now gives us keys to to having that real peace in your life even today. For us to be different than the world. Because the world wants peace. And we actually have the recipe for that peace available to us. And we have it available that we can share with the people in this world that we uh, have an opportunity to come in contact with. And so would you pray with me? We'll pick up in verse 7 and down through verse 9 as we draw close to the conclusion of our time here in this amazing book of Philippians. Would you pray with me? Precious Heavenly Father, as we uh, think on the prospects of peace in our own life, Lord, we all desire peace. Lord, peace in our own lives individually, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our state. Lord, this country, our world. And here you give us the keys to that. And we pray that you would now speak to us through the amazing power of your word as it can transform and shape our minds, our thinking. And so God, we ask you now to interpret these words for us and give us clear meaning, Lord, as we study them. And so we bless you, praise you, be present in this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7, looking back, we briefly looked at this last week. And the peace of God, and notice if you would circle that word of, it's extremely important. The peace of God. You, you see, you can't have God's peace unless it's the peace of God. There's a peace that the world has, and it's generally defined by the absence of negative things or conflict. And so when the world talks about peace, they talk about it in a very different way than God talks about peace. Because the peace of God begins with us when we come to a relationship with God through His Son, Christ Jesus. The peace of God happens when the real war is put away. Because the real war was, we used to be enemies of God. Amen? We actually were sinners who were not saved, and because of that, we actually had enmity with God. We were at war with Him. And so the peace of God begins when an individual comes to faith in Christ, and now I have the cessation of that hostility, I am now God's child instead of God's enemy. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And we briefly looked at this last Sunday. Remember that that peace that you have is in two parts. It's in your mind and it's in your heart. It's how you think and how you feel. And so now he adds to it in verse 8, finally, brethren, the recipe for how to bring this about. Whatever things are true, 
and whatever things are noble. And you can circle the word are in each of these. They must be. They have to be. They're thought of as the reality that we would now make our own. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, and whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on in such a way as they become part of you. When you think of meditation on the things of God, you can think of it as marinating. You're going to soak yourself in it to where it becomes part of you and you part of it. You think on in such a way that you're soaked in goodness. You're, You're soaked in purity. You're soaked in loveliness. You are soaked in good report. You are so in it that you start to become it. And so he says the recipe for the peace of God is to change the way we think so that what we think on is Him. And he gives us some key points to do this. And the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these, don't just think on them, do them. Be ye therefore a doer. And notice this, the God of peace will be with you. You you see, you can't have the peace of God unless you know the God of peace. You you can't have one without the other. Not in a true sense. And so God begins to unwrap this package for us. Can you imagine if all of humanity actually had the peace of God? Think about it for a second. And look at the context of what's just been said to us. Can you imagine if the whole world thought on things that were lovely and true? and of good report, and and they were praiseworthy and virtuous. Can you imagine? Think of the world and how it would be shaped by that kind of mindset and the emotions that come from it. You see, what you think you generally will begin to feel as well as you bathe yourself in these things. You see, the Lord there in John 14, verse 27, He promised peace to those who love Him. He says, My peace I leave with you. He says, my peace, I give it to you. I do not give you peace like the world thinks of peace. And I'm paraphrasing. He he says, "I, I, I give you a different kind of peace is what he's getting at. Not the peace that the world offers you. And so he says, in in light of that, don't let your hearts be troubled. I want to give you peace. But it's not peace that's going to take away every problem. It's not peace that's going to cure every sickness. It's not peace that's going to give you necessarily an answer to every single one of life's questions. It's peace that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the sickness, in the midst of the things that are going on in your life, however chaotic they may be, however many storms may blow towards your front door, you'll have the kind of peace that only God can bring. And it's supernatural peace. Peace that cannot be defined. And in that sense, it's simply not natural. You can't generate it yourself. No amount of happy thoughts, 
You ever notice how some of the most vicious arguments you've... Uh, have, you, have you ever watched people at Disneyland just absolutely lay into each other? I thought you were watching the kids. No, I thought you were watching... No, you're watching the kids. No, I'm not watching the kids. You're supposed to watch the kids. They're in the happiest place on earth, right? <laughs> and there's zero peace. That churro cost $87. <laughs> and it's supposed to be a peaceful place because there's happiness and joy. There's not a thing of reality anywhere. It's all this wonderful stuff. Oh, look, there goes Peter Pan. And yet people are like on each other's case. You stand in line at Disneyland and people are like, they're cut in front of me. You know, it's just, people are crazy. You would think that removing all of the bad things in the whole world, go to the happiest place on earth, that you would just be, oh, this is awesome. You know, the husband pulls out the receipt from getting in. $587 for four. And so he doesn't have peace. And mom's going, I'm doing the same work I do when I'm at home, and she doesn't have peace. You see, peace doesn't come from circumstance. It never has, and it never will. We all like to have wonderful, joyous things going on in our lives. There's nothing wrong with even that thought process. But it does not generate real peace. Real peace is inward. It's not outward. It's not natural. The calamity, the things that we go through in life do affect us. And unless your heart and unless your mind is guarded, and that word guarded means to set a garrison about or to protect in such a way as to surround or shield, unless your heart is shielded by a different kind of peace that comes from God, It emanates from your relationship with the Lord, knowing that at the end of the day, if everything goes as bad as it possibly can, that we are still God's kids and we're still going to heaven. That kind of peace transcends all the stuff. And so he says you need that kind of radical peace. How can you find that kind of peace? First and foremost, it's only found in Jesus Christ. It's the only way you can have this type of peace. Oh, you can have absence of conflict. You can clear your mind of all kinds of thought. You can do many things to kind of get yourself in a situation to where there isn't as much battling as maybe one would normally uh, see in this life. But you can't have this kind of peace that the Apostle Paul is speaking about, the Holy Spirit is speaking into our lives. You can't have it unless you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's not available any other way. You can't buy it. You can't bottle it. You you can't go pick it off a tree. No matter how you juice life, it isn't going to come out that way. It's only available in Christ. Secondarily, God's peace is attained as you practice it. In other words, when you begin to trust God for this kind of peace, when you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you find out that God is the God of peace, and that peace in the middle of every storm is available to you. When you test it, you understand that it's absolutely real. 
The more times you go to a hospital and you share God's truth with people and you, you see that transformation that happens, it doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the suffering. But what it does do is it, it bathes that pain and that difficulty in something that is supernatural. It's the peace of God. It gets practiced, in other words. As I practice those things, they become, in essence, more real to me. When I trust Him in the little problems, it becomes very much easier to trust Him in the bigger problems. When I trust Him for my daily living, in my supernatural things, when I'm looking for the big thing from God, it's much easier to trust Him when I've simply trusted Him throughout the journey. You see, some people trust God only with big things. Something major happens in your life and all of a sudden you want the peace of God. And so you'll hear Christians say this, well, I threw out a fleece. And again, nothing against fleeces. If you're one of those people, you've got to throw out a fleece on everything. You know, you're going you're to be like Gideon, well, if the dew's on at this time, on this side, well, then that's going to be you, Lord. You know, sometimes we do those kind of things. But can I tell you that that's not a recipe for peace. It's a recipe for testing whether there's dew, whether there's, there's water that's going to land on that. It's just you asking God for a little more confirmation. That not, does not necessarily give you peace. And here's what usually happens. Well, I'm not sure that fleece was from him. You know what I'm saying. And then you throw out another fleece. And then another fleece, and a fleece after that fleece, and then a fleece on the fleece. Fleecing and piecing are not the same. Peace is internal. Even our fleeces are external to a certain degree. We're asking God to show us something. You see, internal peace, you simply trust God for who He is. Thirdly, you can have that kind of peace when you, when you pray, when you meditate, when you take in the promises of God's Word. Can I share something with you? If you go through your Bible and you start to underline the things that are pertinent only to the child of God, promises for you as a believer, things that God says specifically about people who are in His church, and I'm not talking about this one, I'm talking about the big one, the one that's all of us, there's over 7,000 of them. And so when you begin to look at those promises that God's given us, if you start to meditate on those things, give you a little challenge. Pick up one a day. Go to your Bible and try and find a promise for today. Some little thing that God has promised you. you can, we can all go to the big ones. And my God will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. I like that one. You'll have the peace of God that surpasses your own understanding. and Guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's another one. You start picking those things out and you study God's Word and then you meditate on those things. You realize you are very special to God. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's mapped out your whole life before you were ever born. Doesn't that boggle your mind? That God even knows the number of hairs on your head, which in my case is eight. (laughs) Not a big deal. But He knows everything about you. He caused you to walk in the good works that He created you to engage in. Isn't that crazy? And you start meditating on His promises, and all of a sudden you're like, man, God loves me. 
I love that God loves me. You, you see, you start correctly thinking. And it's so important. The word finally here, I believe he's beginning to wrap this book up. But as he says these things, he's actually talking to us about that inner peace. And he's basically saying, okay, if that's true, in other words, if A is true, then it follows then that B is also true. He's using logic here. He's saying, look, if this is who you really are, if I'm the God of peace and I want you to have peace, and I'm telling you it's supernatural, then here's how we're going to get there. Here's some ways that we can, in essence, say to God, look, I want to put all my time, effort, and energy into receiving what you want for me. You see, God can want things for us that we don't want ourselves. Amen? And I can tell you that's true because I talk to people virtually every day that you will tell them, look, thus says the Lord, and I'm not trying to be super hyper-spiritual, just saying if you come to me and say, you know, well, you really shouldn't be in that relationship or you need to not do these things or really you kind of need to stop going to that bar. It's not doing you any good. And they choose to do it anyway. You see, God can want something for you that you will not actually do yourself. And so he now tells us how to start thinking correctly. Finally, whatever things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and good report, if there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Really drive them home. Now many of you in this room, I'm sure, have crammed for an exam. And and I don't care whether it's in junior high or you're getting your doctorate. You've crammed for an exam. You know what you have to do, right? You pull out that textbook. If you ever see that textbook again, you're going to kill it, right? You, you've read that and you've underlined, you've highlighted, you, you got spark notes, you did everything you possibly could to take that information off the page and put it into your head so that when the test comes, you have an absolutely positive opportunity to get that question correct, right? That's meditating. That's taking it in in such a way that it's now yours. It's part of you. It's not something else that somebody else knows. It's something that you know, and you know it at the drop of a hat. Someone can walk up to you, and they'll ask you the cube root of four, and you'll go, I don't know. No, you're supposed to know the answer to that if you're a mathematician. You you see... You, you need to meditate, correctly think. It, it, it's what you do. It's how we live our lives. And so what does it look like? You see, to think correctly, because God knows that your thoughts, think on this, your thoughts directly affect your actions, don't they? The things that you take in are the things that you can give out. And I'm going to give you a little help here. We'll, we'll get to this in a moment. You see, in, in, in computer language, we use a little acronym, GIGO. Garbage in, garbage out. You can reverse that, gold in, gold out. Okay, Either one works. If you put garbage into your life, then what you will have available to get out of your life is also garbage. If you put gold into your life, then what you will have available to get out of your life is also gold. Now, you can mix those two things and put a little trash in there and a little gold in there, and it gets to be this this jumble. 
but we want to program our lives in such a way that we have meditated on the things of God. And so he gives us these seven things. Notice what they are. What should you be putting in? You see, if you want to get gold out, you need to put gold in. Because if you put garbage in, you will get garbage out. That's why when people say, well, you know, it's kind of legalistic. You know, shouldn't I watch TV? I'm not trying to help you be legalistic. I'm trying to tell you if you put garbage in your head, then you're going to get some garbage out. Whatever you stuff in here, because this is a supercomputer. Did you know that? It's actually one of the fastest supercomputers that has ever been created ever, and God did it a long time ago. We have to link together many, many thousands of computers in order to even come close to the computing power of your human brain. So it's a really good machine, but you have to program it right. You see, your mind runs the same way a computer does. Whatever things are true. True has a whole bunch of meanings when you think about truth. It's in accordance with reality, and for you as a believer, that's spiritual reality. It's God's reality, how he views the world. It has the idea of sincerity and loyalty, faithfulness, whatever is true to God. You see, if I put God's truth in here, I can get God's truth out of here. So my mind is guarded by truth, and I have peace. When somebody comes at me with some kind of crazy thing from the world, I can just simply look back on what I know to be true and say, that's not true. Here's what's true. Whatever is noble. The Greek word there is seminos. It means to be honorable. It means to have respect, to be dignified. You see, I want things in my mind that have respect and they're dignified and I can, I can pull them out all the time. We've all heard things that we should not repeat. Amen? If you've never been on a playground at school, you know, I don't know what to tell you. But you've heard things that you should not repeat. Why? Because they're not honorable. If you were to speak those things forth, if you repeated that story, if you retold that joke, it would not bring honor to you or to the Lord especially. They're they're not noble. Whatever is right or just. In other words, if you were to look at it from God's perspective, could you say that it's absolutely righteous? It's pure. It's of the character of God. You see what's going on here? As you program your mind, you start to put in things that are absolute truth. They carry with them an air of nobility. They're pure. They're undefiled is the other word that could be put in there. In other words, it's mixed with nothing. It's absolutely 100% things of the Lord. It's lovely. Again, the Greek word gives us some insight. It means to be morally and spiritually pleasing and to have beauty. In other words, it comes so much from God that it is His character. It's His nature. It's the beauty of the Lord that we put in our minds. And all of a sudden, you see, when you start to go back to your head to pull out some thoughts, what you get is truth and nobility and purity and loveliness. And how about the next one? That is commendable. That it has total, admirable characteristics. When you pull that out, people go, man, that's God. How about a healthy dose of virtue? 
you see that it actually has characteristics that are praiseworthy. In other words, you could say about it, Hallelujah! I know that. Praise the Lord as it comes out of your mind. Anybody ever have thoughts that you couldn't say, Praise the Lord, here's this. We do that, right? You're like, ooh, I wish I could have that back. That's a programming issue. That you put something in there that shouldn't be in there, and so unfortunately, at an inopportune time, it comes out. Out of the abundance, Jesus said, of the heart, the mouth then speaks, right? Why? Because what you put in is what you can get out. It's that simple. It's not a difficult concept. You you see, if you have a computer, you have in that computer the BIOS. It's the basic input-output system. In other words, things that come into your computer are what you can get out of your computer. If it has not been programmed that way, you cannot get it out. So whether you have a Mac or a Windows-based computer, it, it runs on a program. And that program, in this case, should be what God wants, which is the POG program, the peace of God. In other words, if you put in all these things, truth, noble thought, purity, loveliness, pleasing things to God, things that is commendable, a great dose of virtue, worthiness, praise, if you put those things in, then when you go to pull something out of your mind, it's directly affected by what's in there. So as you process things in life, all of a sudden, here's what happens. It gets filtered through these wonderful things. And so the Apostle Paul says to us, look, if you want to have peace, then you've got to put the right materials in if you want to get the right answers out. How many Christians bathe themselves in the things of the world and then they wonder why the world comes out? We have to take time to meditate on these things. Because we meditate on a lot of stuff. We meditate on sports, right? We meditate on our, our job, which is good to know your job. Do it well. But have you put so much praiseworthiness into your life that that's what comes out of your life? And so he finishes with something simple. He says, okay, you got it? Now do it. Now do it. You see, we make our walks with the Lord very often overly complex. We start talking about, you know, spiritual principles and how to practice them, and we forget that the gospel is very simple. That our walk with the Lord is very simple. What you put in is what you're going to be able to get out. That's why when people come and say, well, you know, I really don't believe in going to church. I said, well, I'm I'm really sorry. So I said, where do you get your feeding? How do you input biblical truth into your life if you're not going to church? Well, you know, every once in a while I take out my Bible. I said, well, then every once in a while you're going to have some stuff to get out of there. And in the meantime, what you've done is filled your head with things that are not true. You've filled your head with things that are not lovely and kind of a good report. You've filled your mind with all kinds of things, and that's all you've got available to you to pull out. So if you want the peace of God, you need to pull out of the Word of God His truth and apply it to your life. God is the source of that peace. He's the source of that system that that now operates in you and to you and through you. And, And so He simply says, now do it. 
Just do it. Take these things which you've learned, which you've seen, which we could see in the Apostle Paul's life, which hopefully you can see in each other's lives. You can see in, in the pastoral staff, in those who are in leadership. In this, you can look, you can say, oh, that's what peace looks like. That's what loveliness and kindness looks like. And if you do that, and you start putting that information in, then God will guard your heart and your mind. All of a sudden, your emotions get governed by, well, you know what? I want to dwell on something that's lovely and praiseworthy. You know what? Bitterness doesn't do that, does it? Anger doesn't do that, does it? Does hatred do that? It sure does not. You see, if you dwell on bitterness and anger and hatred, then you're not going to be able to pull out love at the drop of a hat. You're going to be filled with the stuff that you put in. If you put in envy and strife and vanity... When, when the trouble comes, you know what you're going to pull out? Envy and strife and vanity. If you put in carnality, if you put in lust and filling your flesh desires, then when trouble comes, you're not going to have peace. You're just going to have the stuff that you've been doing available to you. Well, I don't know really how to see this any other way, but through my own flesh. And the arm of flesh cannot sustain you. And so he ends with, in essence, what James told us in James chapter 1. Be therefore doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't deceive yourself. Don't, don't just look in a mirror and forget what you're like. Be a doer of the word. And as you do that, and you fill your heart, and you fill your mind with the good things of God, God's going to give you peace. He'll, he'll give you the ability to weather any and all storms. He may not take away the things that you would like him to take away. He may not put in the things that you want him to give you, but he will give you peace. And that peace will be a supernatural peace that the world does not understand. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to steal our minds. Lord, that we would dwell on that which is lovely, just, pure, noble, a good report that when the trials of life come, that your peace would guard us, guide us and direct us. Father, I want to pray for those that maybe today are experiencing a lack of peace. Maybe, Lord, there's somebody here that's never confessed that they need a Savior. I pray right now, God, that the truth of that gospel message that you, Jesus, came into the world, that the world through you would be saved. Lord, that that truth would be made manifest to us, to them. And so, Lord, I pray you would save those who desperately need you. For the rest of us, Lord, for we who do love you, God, would you fill our hearts and our minds with things that are good and lovely, praiseworthy, noble. Father, we thank you for giving us peace. Pray that that peace would grow each day. We bless you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. 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 I want to encourage you, if you're here,